You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 57 of Double Jumper Radio, the official podcast of doublejump.co. I'm your host Abia and I'm joined once again by my co-host John. John, how are you my friend? I'm doing pretty well, okay, tired, sort of, <laughs> like normal. Uh, what about you? Yeah, same I think. If uh, I think we both had pretty long days of work so it's, it's good to be able to kind of, I guess this is relaxing in a way, I, I love, I love talking about games and pop culture with you <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's a good uh, decompression sort of period <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for the week that was yeah <laughs> uh, well uh, d- how about we go uh, straight into uh, what was on the site this past week and the first uh, article that went up was uh, Jake's uh, how should I put it Jake's um like spotlight his kind of feature on EA EA uh, I guess losing or EA and FIFA breaking breaking up and EA changing its football uh, game name to EA Sports FC um yeah I guess essentially saying that he he kind of broke down some of the like some of the the words and, and things that were said in EA's press release and 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 providing some of the context as to why this uh, this came about, and so it's a, definitely a, an interesting read. It's a uh, yeah. Um, he, um, he kind of focuses on the press release that EA released, mm. as well as FIFA's. It's very um, you know, what's the phrase? Uh, like um, like X <laughs> sort of like X breakup. It's thing. like a really bad breakup. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he kind of highlights something we talked about the other week when it happened, mm. or last week or the week before. How, um, what was it? How, oh yeah, how like, you know, FIFA says that they're going to come back with like the best football sim in, in the world. That's what they want to, you know. And it's just like, you don't need to think very far to realize that's not true. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be true, especially right away. <laughs> like, it's not. I don't know. But yeah, so yeah, Jake kind of goes over like the basic gist of every aspect of it, where the licensing happened, where the licensing ends up, licensing ends up mm. and how much of a hard spot FIFA has put themselves in. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we've talked about it both times that it's come up is that FIFA needs EA more than EA needs FIFA at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think like, um, like 1991, 1992 or whenever the first FIFA, like EA made FIFA game came out, it might've been a very different time, you know, I guess at that time EA would have been known for like, I don't even think the need, the original Need for Speed was out. It was probably like all those other classic EA games that I can't even think of right now, because <laughs> I'm not even from that generation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. at least. Mm, 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 mm. But um. Yeah, and then uh, we had Lucas, uh, uh, Lucas's, I guess latest installment in his ongoing faction focus series about the Infinity tabletop game. This time it was uh, focusing on the. Uh, the free company of the star, John. This is a. Uh, I, I I just immediately thought of the fist of the North Star, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this is Lucas's third faction focus for the tabletop game Infinity. Um, I'm pretty certain there's six, so there's three more to come. Hmm. Um, this one is about 
yeah so free company of star kind of abbreviated ish to starco that's like the shorthand for it um that lucas describes as quote can be customized to do just about anything so they're kind of a jack of all trades uh faction within the game yeah um and the closest thing to like good guys in this particular area of like zone of factions yeah a lot of groups which we've also with lucas also covered in like another separate you know factions of infinity um, kind of like an like an over that. like an overall overview comparison yes um yeah so go read that if you're into infinity want to learn more about it all about jazz a good one from lucas yeah thank you so much yeah head over to doublejump.co if you want to read all of that awesome awesome work it's it's always it's always awesome to to I, I i guess i love reading about things that i don't know much about like i don't know much like jake is definitely the fifa expert the the this the football soccer expert on the team and luke is definitely like like you know when it comes to tabletop games i can't think of anyone in the history of double jump who's as passionate about him <laughs> so it would be, it'd be really cool <laughs> to learn from them but yeah let's um yeah like it's yeah. detail heart heavy so it's like kind of nice to get those dude on yeah occasionally you know 100 percent. well uh that's that's going to do it for what was on the site last week how about uh we take it over to the news yes So the the first story this week is the fact that I guess the one that matters the most to to folks at home is the news that Sony has uh, revealed that it it doesn't plan on producing uh, its own PS4 games past. 2024 so 2025 is the last year it expects there to be ps4 titles um in its first party portfolio uh, uh for folks at home i was doing um like speech marks with my finger with my fingers so sorry for anyone who's listening <laughs> in the audio version but yes um essentially it i guess it's something that we'd expect given that it'll be what by 2025 it'll be like the fourth year or i think it would be the fourth because when did the ps5 and xbox series come out last year right last holiday i don't think it was 2020 i don't remember anymore (laughs) no it was 2020 yes it was 2020 (laughs) so that would definitely be well into the fourth year of both you know the, the the of the current generation of consoles and yeah yeah like i I think a lot of it like i think saying you know we're gonna stop making ps4 games by 2025 like it sounds expected you know yeah like it's not very surprising yeah no it kind of sets i'm sorry but like it kind of sets this like idea of how far ahead sony's thinking this shortage can go Mm. and also how successful the ps4 has been that they need that they need to really factor in you know supporting this console that sold like one of the best in history yeah you know it's like we need to keep making games with <laughs> this huge audience yeah yeah and, th- and that's the thing it's like um I-, I i don't know how to put it it's like people need to remember that the ps4 came out in 2013 so by the time this comes out it'll be like 12 years of the console's life which is which is actually a very long time when it comes to console generations i think we got very l- I think we got used to 
I think we didn't. Ex- I guess like if we think about it, the PS4, ge- the PS3 came out in 06, and then the PS4 came out in 2013. Then the PS5 came out in 2020. So it's like kind of that seven years is what we've kind of gotten used to. Whereas like back in the day, consoles used to be replaced every like few years. Yeah, it's like the PlayStation 2 before that was five years, I think, right? Or like Yeah, oh, five years, two, 1995 to 2000. Because, yeah, because 1994 in Japan technically was the PS1, okay. but 1995 was like kind of the Western release. And 2000 was like the global release for the PS5. Oh, sorry, PS2. Yeah. Okay, then PS2 was like similar in like length and yeah 2006 kind of a little yeah. bit longer after the 360 ps3 generation yeah like a bit further the x the original xbox lasted four years uh five years before it was no four years because the original xbox came out in november 2020 oh, sorry november tw- 2001 and the xbox 360 came out in november 2005 so that was like right. very short you know Okay. Not not quite Dreamcast short. I think that was only like three years, but that was a little bit different. I think that was like more the company going under. Like, you know, just really couldn't yeah, handle it anymore. One, <laughs> yeah, that one died pretty quick. Yeah. I, remember, I remember researching that for one of those old articles I did for uh, launch games. Mm. I don't remember if that one even came out, but I remember learning more, much more about Dreamcast than I've ever learned because <laughs> I never knew anything about it. Yeah. And I was surprised at how quickly that one died off. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because like what I remember of the time was like ads, a lot of ads on TV about Sonic Adventure in the year it came out in 99 and then like kind of nothing. I don't really remember much promotion afterwards. Maybe like a crazy taxi ad, but that was probably it. Yeah, it feels like one of those consoles that, like, here in Australia barely came out. Like, it yeah. feels like that era where there's just so little awareness and availability in, like, Australasia or Oceania that it's, like, I'm surprised it even came out here. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, we were a PlayStation territory, I think, pretty... I feel like Nintendo was pretty dominant in the 90s until the PlayStation came out and then it became like a like a I think similar to Europe like PlayStation just exploded here yeah and, makes sense. and I think it never looked back like I think once the PS2 came out like no one talked about the Dreamcast that I was like not even in school and stuff and like I would have been like 9 or 10 when the PS1 the PS2 came out I was like 9 so I was like you know yeah Wait, when did it come? Two thousand? No, I was. I would have been. I would have been eight years old. So I was like in grade three or something when when that came out. And like, I remember there was like one person who had a PS two because because it, it was ridiculously expensive. It was like seven eight hundred dollars Australian, but yeah. in two thousand money. You know what I mean? That's like, it's like that would be like spending fourteen hundred dollars on a console now. Yeah, you know, which is unfortunately not out of the norm right yeah now. well yeah but I mean, like, given what's been happening with the shortages that's the scary yeah. part <laughs> yeah because you go on amazon and they're like like because i like look up the best sellers list on video games on amazon occasionally because i'll have like low deals sometimes and they'll be there yeah um i don't make any other effort but um, <laughs> like sometimes a ps5 will be there and it's like 1200 dollars and they're sold out. Yeah. Like, so, so there were a few there for yeah. extremely high price. Now they're gone. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll wait. 
Yes. <laughs> this thing. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to wait. But yeah, yeah, so the important thing to remember is that it's not that PS4 games will not still be made. Like, obviously, third-party companies will still make them. Like, Just Dance 2022 came out on the Wii <laughs> like a few months ago so you know it's not it's not out of the ordinary especially given a system that's sold so much mm. that you know people will still be making games for them but don't expect like you know simultaneous versions of like the new God of War and the new Last of Us or whatever going forward yeah it'll, it'll be I mean hopefully uh, Sony's predictions that you know the 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 chip shortage kind of like waning out by 2024 means that there'll be enough ps5s out there that it'll be like the main console as it generally would be when it was like when it's not during the the pandemic um and that it would be and sony does expect to make the majority of its like kind of gaming revenue from ps5 which i think we'd both agree is is um expected but one thing that is kind of interesting to note here is that it Sony also foresees a big, like if we're looking at the first party portfolio and I've got it up on screen here, we've got kind of the graph, like you're looking at 20% of its 2025 games to be mobile games and then like another 30% to be uh, PC releases. That's, I think that's, that's something that I think is pretty crazy, like I don't know, maybe Sony's felt encouraged by, like, the positive reception to, like, maybe the God of War PC port. Yeah, it's like... Well, they have been, like, gearing up for it a lot because mm. they've bought... Um, I've completely the name. But, no? Oh, them too. But, like, they have one of their... One of the studios they bought in the last year or so is, like, specifically... Like, Virtuos, I think. I think, like it, I think it does like ports and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think familiar. there's another one as well. It's like they've been gearing up for like you know really venturing into PC hard, um, which I guess is like as much about scaling their games for the future as well, mm. and kind of like ensuring long-term sales success as well. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm very unaware of, but um, yeah, it's an, and it's like you mentioned mobile thing, and it reminds me. I was like, oh, that's right. They like they own Grand Blue Online, I think. Yeah, like and the Grand like, Blue franchise. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so um, like I'm sure that makes a significant. I'm surprised. Yeah, I wonder if like, I'm surprised Final Fantasy 14 hasn't come to mobile. Oh yeah, would that be hard to get? Oh, because well, 11 is. But I don't know how complex yeah. they are by comparison. I mean, Genshin Impact is. So it's like yeah. when I when I think of a game of that scale, I think of like Genshin Impact, and that does really well oh. with its cross play, but. Yeah, but it's like, you know, like Final Fantasy fourteen, it's like the More closest thing to probably. it kind of is like WoW. But WoW seems to be getting a mobile port sometime soonish. So yeah. curious to see how that goes. I mean who knows? Who knows play. by twenty twenty five maybe the the Final Fantasy fourteen servers, there'll be enough servers to meet demand and and phones will get to a point where they're like where they'll like really outpace like consoles like in terms of graphics. Like they they'll catch up but what what speaks i wonder how i wonder what this looks like from a nintendo point of view cuz like nintendo's made a lot of like a big push into mobile over the past few years i think it's slowed down a bit but i mean i don't know like 
I, I don't know by 2025 I'd hope there'd be a Switch Pro or a next gen console from Nintendo yeah it'd be pretty shocking if there wasn't but I guess the chip shortage could lead to a lot of changes yeah I mean but, um, like it'll be interesting to see how it goes because like the Steam Deck is like it's like the first Valve product in a long time besides the Index that is like, I think even more than the Index that has actually caught on because I think the Valve Index is very niche because it's a, like a VR headset that requires setup and everything whereas the Steam Deck I feel like there hasn't really been any negative buzz around it people like genuinely like it yeah I'm kind of curious because like personally on the site side like go on which aren't many honestly but like I definitely didn't hear much about the deck after it came out, partly because there's so few of them available. Yeah. But it's like Valve never planned to, ex- like, didn't expect to make too many either. Yeah. Especially as they kind of continue to upgrade it over time with new releases. Yeah. Like new versions of it. Yeah. I'm kind of curious how that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I kind of forgot the point about it with the Switch and stuff. Oh no! I was just but... like, I'm just excited. I, I just want to see where. I wonder if Nintendo will continue with that two-in-one concept or it'll go back to the traditional handheld plus, um, you know, home console thing. Or maybe Nintendo's like, well, uh, no, but I feel like Nintendo loves making money off hardware, so it wouldn't just make mobile games. It would it would probably still continue to make hardware. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. like too big a part of the, mm. like, you know, identity. I yeah. Think. But I, I don't know anything yeah. can happen really. I think the I think the the question is really going to be whether Nintendo sticks with Nvidia hardware or AMD because AMD's is make like you know the the AMD is what's powering all the current like you know large consoles, <laughs> big boy mm. consoles. I've, I I don't know how to put it like basically not the Switch. <laughs> Even the Steam yeah. Deck runs AMD hardware, so I wonder if like yeah, that was another yeah. thing. There was like rumors with the Switch Pro were kind of around the um. Nvidia's DLSS yeah technology like that's like very you know completely exclusive to them because it's like hardware specific yeah and then but in the last like couple weeks with like what was it there's a couple of games that released with um FSR 2.0 which is AMD's like software version, version of it, of which it is yeah. fairly excellent yeah so it's like you know that kind of that like whatever competitiveness there was there in terms of like you know appealing to console makers mm. that feels like it's evened out again yeah so dlss and fsr um dlss stands for deep learning super scaling fsr thing is like something scaling resolution it's like essentially instead of uh, basically what you do is you run a game at a certain w- resolution and instead of uh, instead of, I guess, running the game at a higher resolution to like, say for example, like on on the on the PS5. So, if, let's say you want to, let's say you've got a 4K monitor and you're playing a PC game. Uh, to run a 4K, to run a game at 4K natively, so you know with everything set to 4K, it requires a hell of a lot of power. But with FSR and with DLSS, what you can do is basically run the game say at 1080p and then it'll use like kind of AI algorithms in the background to upscale or stretch the image out and make it look, have a 4K resolution, but without doing all that hard work of all that heavy lifting of generating that many more pixels. It's more like a kind of like a, a way of, I guess, cleaning up the image and scaling it up. It's, 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 it's like, a, it's got getting, it's getting better. Cause I remember the original DLSS were like, 
like Metro Exodus when it came in like 2019 or whatever 2020 it was like really blurry and really bad but then this um like dlss 2.0 and the new fsr from amd looks like they're really like it's it's like getting like almost indistinguishable yeah from it's like, like a yeah. technology that's becoming so impressive that it's going to be interesting to see how it impacts the greater industry yeah like especially with console makers and stuff just because like really being able to squeeze out any possible power out of increasingly outdated hardware yeah is like so valuable yeah so it's yeah curious and it gets around the problem of like games like halo infinite that have dynamic scaling and what it does is basically you say hey i want to get to this frame rate say 60 frames per second and what the game does is in the background dynamically changes the resolution of everything so yes you'll get the frame rate but then everything looks like a blurry mess because it's actually rendering at a lower level and not really being smoothed out of str- like kind of s- no processing is really done to f- clean it up so that's mm. that's that's like the other way that people have been doing it but yeah like it, it's it's probably fine when you're like scaling maybe down to 80 percent but when it comes down to like you're scaling down to 50 percent or something it's just like it just looks like a blurry mess sometimes so yeah, yeah. so you mentioned like <laughs> infinite it's like oh that's right like that's something i haven't i almost never think of now because it's so standard is like checkerboarding techniques yep and how that that felt like such a big deal and it was a big deal at like the start of the ps4 xbox one yeah generation. it was like the big and innovation that was when they started then, and now it's like, oh, okay, we're like at a new phase. And I don't think I really connected the dots to like, <laughs> like ever between those two things. Yeah. But, um, no, that's, yeah. yeah. Those were like kind of those techniques. I think like Killzone, Shadowfall, whatever the one, whatever the PS4 launch one. And then like the Forza mm-hmm. games and, and, and the Halo games have been doing for a while. So it's, yeah, it's cool. But yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it for, uh, you know, the, the PS4 and PS5. But, that's that's for 2025. We've got some upcoming news from the world of PlayStation and the folks at uh, Summit Games first. Uh, do you want to yeah. take us through that, John? Yeah, speaking of a variety of game companies, um, <laughs> it's like, but it's like at this point, it's um, the Summer Games Fest from Jeff Keighley. I don't know who else. Jeff Keighley is definitely the face of it. Um, for this year, has announced that PlayStation plus 30 other also, companies haven't been announced to participate in Game Fest, and the Game Fest will be taking place from June 9 to June 12, mm. which you probably budge 12 hours or so in Australia. <laughs> For, yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I won't list them all. PlayStation's one of many main, like very high, like high-profile companies. So it's like Xbox is there as well, Steam, Warner Brothers Games samsung's there for some reason and devolver's there yeah 2k activision um more on activision later um, yeah so it's, yeah um yeah and there's more to be confirmed at a later date um like last last few years summer game fest is meant to be more of a long-term thing but it does seem to be like the idea of the core of it being from june 9 to 12 seems to be that they are making an active effort to replace, replace e3 yeah and what it, and like and try to replicate it not just be like you know the game thing happening in june but actually having like a core time period that is about like high profile announcements yeah which 
I'm kind of curious though, if like PlayStation is part of it, then I'm guessing they're doing something. But it yeah, kind of, it does yeah. remind me of like all, all these companies have their own things going on. Yeah, I'm actually surprised they're part of it again. Well, that's the thing. Like Sony, you mentioned that the Sony's kicking things off, and that that's so Sony's state of play is going to take place this coming Friday. So it's June second in America, but you know, for us, it's eight a.m. on the east coast of Australia. Uh, sorry, 10 a.m. in New Zealand, 8 a.m. on the east coast of Australia, and 6 a.m. for you, John. So sorry. <laughs> that is is yeah, when the this watch out till later <laughs> is when the the state of play presentation is going to kick off. Then, so uh, uh, I mean, it, apparently it'll include 30 minutes of new announcements and, and and updates. So maybe we'll get to see more of God of War Ragnarok, or maybe that Wolverine game. Oh yeah, the Wolverine <laughs> one's meant to be like really early, but I think for that one, I guess this is our state of play update thing. I yeah. think I'm pretty sure God of War is like, it's not confirmed, but it does seem to be pretty heavily because there was like a bunch of merch that went up recently on yeah. storefronts that have like a September release date. Oh, okay. So it does seem to be hinting at like a release date being confirmed sometime very soon. Yeah. To have a state of play happening. So, and then um, what was the other one? Uh. Oh, Last of Us remake is constantly having having buzz for a game that hasn't been announced at all. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I hundred percent predict God of War gets announced for this year and then gets delayed to like May next year or March next year because I think yeah. it came out on. I think God of War came out on April 20th because I remember 420 yeah. jokes around the time that it came out. I don't know why. I feel like it... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 2018 or something. Oh, I've got the name of it already. What's that Bethesda game called? Star something? Starfield. Yeah, Star, not, yeah, the Star yeah Starfield. Not Star Get, like a, yeah. get incredibly confident release date announcement <laughs> like a year later. And then, and yeah. Then, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, we it's have all to gone. delay it because it could have been Cyberpunk again. Yeah. Um anyway it's part of game fest um greg miller the journalist with um kind of funny i think kind of funny games yep Yep. formerly of ign Um, i think yes yeah um he also revealed um that there's something called play days going on this will be a quote media only game preview event that a number of influencers and game journals and the like um they'll be heading to la um sometime next week Seemingly, this will be a few days before the June 9th to 12th section of GameFest. So this seems even more, even closer to replicating E3, at least from what, like how I interpreted it. It's like, Mm. okay, they even have the media, like press only part of E3 as well, which is, you know, another part of E3 that was very, you know, core to the experience is having all the journos there first, having all the backstage demos. And then having that kind of the more publicized yeah, I just stuff mm, afterwards. Like I I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna miss having E three. Like it there's uh, like we always talk about it, like we have talked about it before, how it's like kind of like a, like something we look forward to every year. So I I'm hoping that this can fill some of that gap because it it kind of did last year. Yeah. I will say it's like I I read like a comment after Greg, like I, I was reading something like comments following like Greg Miller's, you know, pseudo announcement of this Playdays thing. And I was, saw someone that's like, man, I was like really miss E3 and like, like I really hope it's good this year. And it's like at my age now, it feels very 
it feels strange to f be actively excited for commercials like like i don't know i've become more and more cynical towards it. i mean yeah i guess that makes sense it, i mean it was that's what those trailers that's what e3 kind of turned out to be for the longest time yeah maybe it's just been disappointing for a few years because covid etc like maybe that's part of it i'm not sure maybe but um yeah anyway some we'll find out happen soon we'll probably yeah. i'm not sure if it'll, oh no it'll be happening from so we'll cover it in two weeks i guess yeah. yeah yeah let's see sweet and i mean you alluded to it before but activision microsoft the whole the whole kind of shit show happening over in that side of the the world is continuing and uh, so long day long day folks um the all right Microsoft's kind of dodged a lot of the criticism and a lot of the, the exposés and the reports for a long time. That's kind of ended <laughs> because just this past week, uh, the insider or formerly Business, business insider, insider, it's, oh, it's just called Insider now apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, like the Insider Group is has published a report um, highlighting... Uh, I guess like a, a history of toxic work culture at Microsoft and quite a few anonymous sources have come forward to, I guess, lay the, not to lay the blame, but I guess uh, accuse three particular uh, male executives of misconduct. First one was Alex Kipman, um, who people may know as the inventor of the HoloLens, which is Microsoft's virtual reality slash augmented reality, mixed reality headset. And he, and I believe he's, uh, and as far as we can tell, he's currently leading Microsoft's, I guess, experiments in the metaverse, <laughs> which sounds, 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 sounds silly. Just sound, <laughs> yeah, just doesn't make sense. Like I'm picturing yeah. him like getting like sucked into the like a computer and just like, you know, that's just how they explain it. Like oh yeah, he's gone. He's he's gone. He's just doing something. If it feels, it sounds like VR, but with a lot of ads. Yeah. That's what I get from that Yeah, yeah, I could say that. I, I would, I would agree. Um, and then uh, the second one was against Terry Myerson, uh, former executive VP and head of Windows uh, and the devices group, so like Surface and Windows. And then uh, Tom Keen, who's a corporate VP of the Azure cloud um, platform. So the first um, accusations uh, laid at Alex Kipman. Uh, uh, one particular incident that was highlighted goes back to 2016 and 2017, uh, where apparently he, like he, he hosted a presentation internally, where he was wearing a headset, and at the same time, what he was seeing in the headset was being played on the screens in the room. You know, makes sense. You want people to, to see exactly how it's all working and stuff, right? The trouble is, uh, what he was apparently watching was basically what I could describe as softcore, and I guess one person called it VR porn, quote-unquote, uh, essentially scantily clad young women pillow fighting and mucking around on a bed. Uh, apparently, uh, it made some of the, the, the attendees, especially women, feel uncomfortable, and that some people actually walked out of the presentation because they were j just didn't feel comfortable at all. Um, and on top of that, uh, he's also, he had also been accused of... I guess fostering or continuing or like I guess supporting or not doing anything to stop 
a quote, a culture that diminishes women's contributions, end quote. Which Yeah, there's also a mention yeah. in the article of him needing a chaperone. Yes. Nowadays. Yeah, that's I was kinda of laughing at that when I was reading it. I was... Like I was laughing after the part where it mentions it where it has a quote like a, a um a, like a comment, like a re response to that specific part saying i don't need a chaperone i just started laughing because <laughs> like like it's, it's horrible but it's like absurd that it's like he he felt like oh it's awful yeah like one instance he rubbed a, a female employee's shoulders despite her looking apparently quote deeply uncomfortable and he didn't even stop when she was trying to like make him stop by you know quote shrugging her shoulders um yeah and that and that chaperone thing like Apparently, Microsoft denied that this happened, that he needed chaperones to follow him wherever he went to make sure he didn't do anything inappropriate. But apparently, well, reportedly last year, more than 25 employees at Microsoft actually signed or, or contributed to a report about his behavior. Um, but as of right now, nothing, no, no further actions have been taken since then, which um, if true is troubling. Like, you know, I don't know how many signatures you need. Like, you know, I get it. Microsoft's got thousands of employees, but, you know, if 25 people who are, like, near him say this guy's not behaving correctly, like, you'd think someone would take notice and do something. Yeah, that's like... Maybe I'll... Oh, anyway, that is a big focus of the article is mm. like not just like these few people. It's like how far back this history goes. Yeah. And how the current CEO, Satya Nadella, is like actively avoids making any sort of hard decisions or dealing with conflict in any way. It's like, yeah, it's almost like comical how he tries to get away from doing anything to deal with any of this stuff at all yeah. or like you know like that's why it all, he keeps going with these people it's just that he just doesn't want to deal like mess with them at all partly yeah to keep microsoft going at a steady pace and partly because yeah. he just doesn't want to deal with it yeah and that's the thing like okay you may not be comfortable with confrontation or something like this but then that's why you hire people who ah <laughs> well that's what that's the thing yeah. though. it's like he ends up but he's like he's dealing with people who like he ha he does make other people do, do it. it like that's what the insider um, article mentions that he has like he wants if he can get someone else to do it he will in terms of like chast you know chastising them some and, sort of yeah. issue but nothing but permanent. when it comes to these like major top people they almost always rise up higher even after all their yeah behavior i mean these people are like vps ex executive vps and stuff like they're pretty much r directly underneath satya like you can't really put hr between you and them i guess it, yeah, exactly i mean you should be able to but i mean i guess that's how they see it you know what i mean yeah. like we, we're literally sitting in the same boardroom why are you being like this but yeah and, and adele has made like a cultural like a transforming the culture of microsoft like as soon as he became CEO in 2014, that's what his focus was meant to have been. Yeah. And he's like literally doing as little as possible to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, well, sorry. Yeah. No, no, dude, dude, go for it. Like, um, that extra context is definitely helpful because, yeah, I mean, I think 
it's like he's he, I saw that people said okay he's made some changes it's like improved a little bit but nowhere near like the main the underlying problems haven't been and the troublemakers haven't been addressed that's mm-hmm. the thing like there are a lot of token gestures and, and things like that and um yeah well the second person that we talked about terry myerson um he i guess publicly s- departed microsoft in 2018 and there were there, there was not much transparency around why like there was not much reasoning provided people had rumored that oh it's because the surface phone initiative failed or windows phone failed um and apparently uh at one public event um he had a quote meltdown um backstage and he uh, i guess criticized and blamed quote everyone uh like pretty like publicly um and this apparently caught the ceo satya nadella's like attention but three different sources said that um this was a big part for why he was like he suddenly left microsoft i mean again it seems like it got satya nadella's attention but there are no sources saying that anything happened (laughs) you know what i mean from satya directly but who knows maybe something happened behind the scenes and he was let go but uh, it's like it's like what happened with um Uh, I forget who the designer was, but like, you know, uh, Ruben, Andrew Ruben, Andy Ruben from Google, like he kind of like, he left, he had some accusations against him, but he he also benefited from like a pretty nice kind of like payout, you know what I mean? Like golden parachute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yes, they lost their job, but I feel like when you're at that C level or whatever, you can just find something else. You can just be a consultant for the rest of your life and just retire and still make, you know, a lot of money and still be involved in key decisions and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's not like one of those things where it's like when, when there's fraud, when money's involved, you know, you're barred from running a company or being on a board for 10 years or something. But when there's, you know, misconduct, there's really nothing like that. It's just the court of public opinion and, most of the time, those things don't surface. Right, I did not never knew that actually. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like um, yeah, like in, in a lot of prominent fraud cases, when it when a like a CEO or someone gets caught out, they are actually barred from they're actually legally not allowed to be a director or on a board or chairman or anything like that. Like they can't take any prominent management positions. It's like a like a part of their kind of sentence in a way, but. You can, as long as you don't cost anyone money, you can do whatever the fuck you want, apparently. Like, that's kind of the messaging yeah. we get that kind of says. Up. Anyway. Um, and then, I guess, finally, was Tom Kane, uh, the, the guy who runs Azure. Um, he had also been accused of similar actions, you know, criticizing staff and things like that, even making, uh, allegedly making a staff member cry in a public meeting. Um, and that he think, apparently, he ran things like very like a like a totalitarian dictatorship like essentially being called king tom as a that's a quote from some people behind his back because of the way he wanted everything to be his way or no way and and like demanding obedience and i don't know like uh, subservience i don't know how to put it but he took a 30 a a, a month-long un, like just hiatus from microsoft and no no kind of real reason was given and um and he's been reassigned to another part of microsoft um uh at the moment but like he's still got a large team underneath him but 
he's not he's not like kind of publicly shown as a figure in any like specific department or anything like he used to be mm. yeah yeah um, it's like they don't it's like it's just like a long history of microsoft and like a recent history of microsoft just never wanting to make any sort of waves from within even when they say they're going to like they just kind of keep everything going as smoothly as possible yeah as a corporation making a lot of money and like no other objectives yeah yeah i mean the, the i mean if only satya nadella or F phil spencer were as brave as jim ryan <laughs> sending his email to staff <laughs> god yeah it's uh, yeah and um I guess like another piece to this like we can kind of talk about is the Activision Blizzard side of things so one of the things highlighted by the the insider report is that employees at Microsoft are kind of fearful like they're not expecting they, they kind of don't expect any of that work culture to change at Activision Blizzard and from the sounds of it like it, it seems like behavior like that wasn't very well addressed at Microsoft so you kind of is it one of those things where you take one toxic work culture, add it to another one, does it make it even worse? Yeah, it doesn't. I'd imagine it doesn't make it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I guess as part of this, um, uh, uh, according to, well, this is from, uh, we got this from gamesindustry.biz. Um, uh, on June 21, uh, Activision Blues is going to ho host its annual kind of investor meeting. And the SOC uh, Investment Group, which is like a very prominent shareholder, I guess, investment consortium, uh, like right. group, um, has told or I guess urged, asked, I don't know, requested of Activision Blizzard shareholders to vote against re-electing the current board of directors, which, um, like, what I love is okay I'll, I'll say exactly who they're talking about so they're talking about don't let bobby kotick the ceo the current ceo of activision blizzard brian kelly robert morgado robert corty barry Meyer, and peter nolan um all middle-aged probably <laughs> middle-aged white men <laughs> yeah um from retaining their positions and according to the letter uh the soc actually said that uh each of these people quote failed either to recognize that Activision Blizzard for years maintained unsafe workplaces exhibiting frequent and repeated sexual harassment, sexual assault, and gender discrimination, or to appropriately address the company's frat house culture once it was publicly re revealed. Um, let's see. And we need to hold these uh, current directors accountable for their multiple failures to act and the resulting reputational harm and declining share price. Number one. I like that the SOC said these are the reasons why and all of them were related to the the work culture before talking about the share price. Like, maybe it's yeah. just a token thing that, like, someone in the PR team went over, but let me give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, hey, maybe someone there was actually saying, you know what, have a think about it. Is this we don't want this culture to continue? And yes, it'll eventually lead to you know bad things for the share price. What do you think? Well, I guess I guess that's kind of like it's not like entirely wrong to frame it within that, yeah. especially since they're an investment group. Yeah. Like, what else, like technically, what would else would they care about? Mm. As much they should care about more, but I mean, it makes sense they wouldn't. But it's like yeah. the fact that this investment group is saying this horrible culture 
is gonna make us less money <laughs> and it's really important we take care of it because these directors are directly responsible for it and like that's the, that's the entire gist of it really <laughs> it's like this frat house culture is hurting our bottom line and everyone's bottom line because they're all investors yeah and that's like you know and really that's like the only argument they really need in something like this because yeah. it's all the kind of people who wouldn't be convinced by purely ethical grounds anyway regardless yeah. of what the goal is yeah. it's like it's i don't know i'm not considering how these votes have gone i wouldn't expect to to go i would expect them to keep their positions because mm. i think mm. they they like soc has been pushing back against like several layers of this acquisition and nothing's really been stopped i think it's been delayed but yeah nothing's been stopped so yeah yeah i guess yeah. we'll find out later this month yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i was gonna say as as part of summer games first but i guess that it just happens to be happening at the same time um well, yeah. yeah i guess it'll be like a week or so afterwards so yeah to be upsetting everyone's favorite like activision blizzard announcement is going to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh. celebrate activities a week before yeah a week later <laughs> um well i guess like speaking of one sh one toxic shit show to another this time we're going back to the land of right games yes um oh. yeah this will be relatively quick i think yeah please more of, like i put this here more because it's like oh that's right right games fucking sucks and people should really remember um so this is in response to a twitter post from right games mm. um they're the ones who make lol for people who don't remember um they league of legends they have, <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> they make laughs yeah um but they they made a twitter post celebrating pride month um, in the in the Twitter post, they had a quote that says, "quote This is time to come together, celebrate LGBTQIA plus communities, recognize the progress we've made, and continue working towards creating inclusive spaces for all people." End quote. Um, after that post, the former right employee who goes by Yona on Twitter, um, they go by them they pronouns, and they're at remember. Rem oh, wait, remembrance rem rem remembrance mx, MX. yeah <laughs> um God. anyway she basically broke her signed nda yeah. to try and highlight and confront riot's hypocrisy with yeah. this tweet um she said it in a series of her own tweets so just to i'm not sure if i'll go over all of it it's worth going back to just kind of check it out um so quote i was fired from riot games for Vaguely tweeting, I was tired of fake trans allies after an ally in the inclusion channel said it's okay to consider my pronouns optional. By the way, Riot knew they were in the wrong here because I had only worked there full-time for nine months, and the HR guideline is that you get one month of severance for every year you've been there, which meant I wasn't eligible at all, but mm. they gave me six months if I signed an, an, an NDA. Um, technically, I'm breaking the NDA, but if Riot Games wants to sue my trans disabled teen ass, I am super happy to go to court and let Discovery show that the company, what the company is really like, I won't be the one losing there. Um, yeah, and just the, yeah, here's why I post this, because Riot has never acknowledged its past. They wouldn't even accept blame when they're sued by the state. I don't know a single former rioter not in therapy, and over half have CPTSD. We sacrificed a lot to get riots to its current inclusivity, yet we're, we're erased. Um, yeah. I know, I'll 
do want more, right? Did not spontaneously become more accepting. People got fired. At least one person died. I know people that lost not just their careers, but their entire support networks. And all these sacrifices are not remembered when they really should be. So, yeah. Not sure there's too much to add to it. I just thought it was worth highlighting. I think it's, like, good to remember that these corporations, whether they're in games or not, when they make posts about Pride Month or Black History Month or anything regarding, like, you know, Mm. wider progressive society, they're rarely on your side, you know? Yeah. And it's worth remembering. I mean, it's a cynical take, really. But, like, Riot Games doesn't deserve much benefit of doubt anyway. But it's like, it's... I don't know. It's It's upsetting, but it's, it's kind of... Honestly, kind of good to be reminded. And I think it's amazing this person yeah like they you know took this risk to make people aware yeah i'm guessing their name is l based on what they wrote in their like in their name on twitter but yeah uh if if that is their name or whoever they are but like i mean this is all still alleged like this is one side of the story obviously you know it's still it's like this just happened I think as of this recording, like, 15 hours ago, so, you know, it's it's still all developing right now, but, like, I guess, you know, Riot's got a history of, like, Riot was one of the first ones that got the exposés, right, like, back in, like, 2017 or something, 2018, uh, when mm-hmm. Kotaku did its expose, so, you know, Riot's, like, an OG when it comes to toxic world culture, I mean, it sounds really dumb when I say it, like, I'm not trying to glorify it, I just realise, like, the, how silly that comes across, but, like, <laughs> um, yeah, it is kind of problematic when a company that has a history of toxic work culture then promotes um you know oh inclusivity and things like that when those specifically have been called that before like mm. uh, i don't know and i don't know about me but when i see the like the image that they use this promo image for their uh like kind of pride month uh celebrations like they've got a picture of a character that looks a lot like mccree from overwatch and mccree was well McCree's name was changed recently because that character was named after a former Blizzard employee who was a sexist pig. <laughs> you right. know, so it's yeah, anyway, that's like a weird connection that only I would make because I'm No, I think it's like a good point to make. It's like amazing <laughs> yeah. how this kind of network of harassment, like corporate harassment is like it's becoming so ingrained and common that you can yeah. connect one thing <laughs> one like you know nascent thing from one like you know example of harassment and mistreatment yeah. and yeah. it's connected back to it's like oh that's like that reminds me of that other company that does it and it's just it's all awful mm. yeah well i know it's still developing we'll see if like more people will come out and and yeah. and, and kind of talk about their you know kind of their experiences like it's a pretty big call out to say that you know i know multiple people who have been through a similar thing who have ptsd um and have had i don't know anyone who's a former employee who's not in therapy like those are pretty big pretty big calls to make and i guess um yeah we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll find out very soon if uh you know more people come forward but I don't know. I'm just trying to. I don't see any. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any other news stories talking about. Yeah, I got. I guess like the. Um, I should put it like. 
like addressing it. So we'll, I guess we'll maybe by next week we'll have a, we'll have something to add. But yeah, um, next story uh, is I guess a good change. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Like yeah. it's 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 still like sad in a way, but it's still it's it's more like um, good to know that you know someone is moving on and, and kind of getting rest that they've deserved and and i guess this news is that um shinji hashimoto uh the co-creator of kingdom hearts and a long time like i guess like a veteran producer of the final fantasy series at square enix um has announced that he's retiring from uh the the famous japanese developer um you know it's been he's been there for more than 25 years and this came out of a, a tweet that he released uh ye- really late last night so on the at the on the last day of um may and uh, he he posted it he took to twitter to uh i guess uh convey a very kind of like heartfelt like kind of like very simple message um basically and this is like kind of loosely translated from japanese um thank you everyone i will retire on may 31st uh, during my tenure, I'm very grateful to all of you in various fields. From now on, I would like to support you as a Square Enix fan. I'm really thankful to you. Um, uh, emphasis is probably from Google Translate or something. Like, no, I, I didn't mean to emphasize Square Enix. I think it probably would more emphasize fan. Um, so, like, you know, uh, thank you, I guess. I mean, we've both talked about how we're very ill-equipped to talk about Kingdom Hearts, but... I I have enjoyed the Final Fantasy kind of series over the time and always hearing about all the craziness happening there. So I, I guess thank you. Um uh, uh um I don't even know what to say. Like uh I'm just like I I'm just happy that no one's passed away. Like someone's actually, you know, getting to just retire and enjoy being like kind of a veteran. Not getting kicked yeah. out of a company or you know breaking up with a company, which is cool. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, um, Hashimoto-san, for your, I guess your contributions to to the, to the gaming uh, gaming world. Yeah, like his, from what I understand, he has like a huge, he's like a huge part of Square Enix, mm. where Enix, Enix, because I've been pronouncing Enix. I remember, like, I think I used to pronounce it Enix, and I've somehow got that changed at some point. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's like a big part of that company's DNA, and now they've like sold off their Western studios. Yeah, and now they he's gone. And yeah, like, it does make me wonder how Enix is gonna like kind of yeah. transform over the next few years or so. Yeah, without him, like I'm not sure how big an impact he had at yeah. in these you know recent years, but curious. And I guess like um for people like give you a little bit of context about how you know why he's listed as a co-creator. So according to comicbook.com, um. Tetsuya Nomura, Nomura, you know the 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 director of Final Fantasy. I think it was a director of seven, ten, and like fifteen. I think fifteen. Yeah, like he's kind of like most famously associated with Final Fantasy, but um, it was actually uh, Hashimoto-san who came up with the idea of Kingdom Hearts. Um, before Nomura was involved, um, and then he was the one who actually pitched the idea to Disney. Oh, wow. Like, it, it's... Who who knows? Like, imagine an alternate reality where that didn't happen. Like, I feel like Kingdom Hearts has just been, like, such... It's, like, become, like, a punchline in gaming for a long time, but it's also, like, a really... Like, 
it's like one of those franchises that like are really synonymous with video games now i feel like it's very hard to yeah especially yeah. playstation you know mm. it does feel yeah. like weirdly separate from the rest of the industry to me i mean that's because i haven't played it <laughs> like i get that yeah but it, it does feel like as someone who you know follows game discussion in my own little bubble of sites <laughs> that i follow yeah it's like i do it does feel so distinct and separate separated from the rest of the discussion like it doesn't really yeah. link into like oh this game's like this yeah this mechanics kind of lifted from this and king hearts like i'm sure it does that to some extent in some yeah. ways but it's like it doesn't really i don't know Maybe Square Enix kind of feel like that generally. I don't know, but it's maybe. Anyway. Well, I, I always um think of it as like in the similar vein to like the Musou games, like the Warriors, the Dynasty Warriors games. Like it was just like it was super popular, but just not in the mainstream. But I guess Kingdom Hearts kind of did float into the mainstream because uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's um. Well, it does make me think. It's like yeah. Kingdom Hearts is like such a big deal in its own fan base like yeah. you know like everything is like that's kind of a big <laughs> silly thing to say but like it, or it every time i think about kingdom hearts there was like a recent like a thing a few months ago where um there was like a hotel like a kingdom hearts hotel room you can hire mm. that had like actual secrets in it that pointed towards like i think that was like in the build-up to kingdom hearts 4, 4 being announced. yeah <laughs> like this was a few months ago and i don't think it had too much involved but it reminds me it's like oh that's right kingdom hearts is like one of those series where like just everything has something to do with everything else or you know something else i mean and it's anyway that's what i yeah. think about with kingdom hearts nowadays is that <laughs> hotel room <laughs> oh that's such a random thing yeah oh, i love it i love it but yeah um i guess uh, the next uh announcement uh the next i guess like positive news i could i could say like these like i would love to end the news section on a really positive note we've got a trio of new game announcement and slash teasers uh first yeah. yeah john tell us oh so i was like yeah a little bundle of new game things but nothing huge individually so first up star wars jedi survivor the sequel to fallen order from a few years ago i'm um, still by respawn um it was a new teaser shown at <coughs> showing at star wars celebration mm. i think a few days ago yeah it was point. it was over the weekend i think it was like pretty recent okay. um set to release next year in 2023 it will be current gen only so no ps4 and xbox only mm. no xbox one release this time yeah. so ps5 xbox series and pc only mm. um story like story wise like the only core detail we have from this like teaser announcement and like teaser happening is that it's set five years after fallen order so mm. it's a bit of a time jump which I, is very exciting to me as someone who adores time skips generally yeah. <laughs> so like i was i actually was expecting the exact opposite considering where the first one left off so it's like i'm kind of that makes me excited um, yeah. the teaser doesn't reveal too much it's very much a teaser in the proper sense yeah so it has still getting Cal still getting chased by the Inquisitors, like those kind of weird pseudo Sith. Yeah, like kind of that hunt Orphan. down Jedi's. Yeah, yeah. Um, his ship crashes on some desert planet, which feels very familiar nowadays. <laughs> um, Cal loses it's his lightsaber. Either Tatooine or Jakku. Like it has to be one of those yeah. two, right? Yeah, <laughs> it has to be like four places in this in gigantic galaxy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cal loses his lightsaber at some point. 
and Cal finds a mysterious character floating in a Bacta tank. And that's kind of it, as far as I can... As someone who's not, like, a mega fan of Star Wars, that was, yeah. that was kind of all I got from it. But it's, like, it, you know, it's good, like, you know... It's a proper teaser where it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, I'm going to get to the tone and what's going on and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's, it's so weird because it's... Yeah, I don't know. When I hear Back to Tank and Desert Planet, I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, when, we do- when I was doing our show notes, I, I initially wrote um, Banda. Uh, <laughs> Banda yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm terrible. I I I still haven't gotten back to Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. I really need to play I it again. Play like it. I played like the first hour or something, and then uh, it just didn't hook me. I don't know. I went into some cave. Like I was on the first planet where you can where you go meet someone, and then like I went to I went. You could go left or right, and I went right, and there was like a monster in a cave and it was just whipping kicking my ass and i don't know if i'm meant to be able to beat it yet it's like i don't remember which one you're talking about yeah it's like definitely you're not meant to okay see 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 that's what i was thinking i was like i don't know because the uh, there's so few places like that in the game as well okay like there's like nowhere else where that can kind of thing so and and there was like oh so i was just kind of doing it again and again and then there was like this puzzle or there was like this i was trying to get to this like kind of glowy thing and i couldn't figure out how to get to it but then i'm like okay am i meant to do i not have the ability to get it yet and i don't know it's not very clear to me and i hate it when games don't tell me whether or not i'm meant to be able to go after something because i'm like just, just tell me like prompt you'd be like oh you know like you know you're you're not ready for this task i'd be like okay cool so i'm not gonna waste my time trying to butt my head against something that i'm not meant to be able to do right yeah. anyway that's my rant <laughs> <laughs> that beer's review of fallen order um, <laughs> yeah the first yeah because like it it starts off pretty cool yeah like you know with the you know you're working in some basically like a dock worker <laughs> ripping it like a you're basically cutting open like old chips and stuff but then i don't know like when i got to that planet i was like oh, God, i was just like I yeah just, it's big yeah. like i liked it generally yeah because um, it, it looks it great a, and people has like a problem it. with pacing and like story momentum yeah and like because you didn't play through much of it but it's like as a in my experience it's like it doesn't it feels like half of a game or so even though a lot of the story bits are like pretty strong hmm. but the way it's paced feels very light and thin gotcha. compared to it's it's odd are there like, spikes yeah. in difficulty because i remember hearing that like sometimes like it goes like really like kind of fine and then just like sometimes it just gets really difficult out of nowhere um, but i'm not really sure remember. okay like i don't it's been a while so, since you played it, it right it depends on what you yeah it has been a bit yeah but I, I don't remember there being any particular difficulty spikes i think it does have a problem with keeping its combat compelling oh okay it's I was gonna... one of those things where it doesn't have too much oh, enough okay. going on yeah but yep. it's also not very long i don't know i'd have to play through it again i think <laughs> <laughs> but it's i don't know it's uh, yeah anyway if you didn't love it and like if you didn't like it too much initially you might you probably won't love the rest of it okay it's got stuff to like in it okay but how long is the game uh i don't know 10 hours or so okay so really short. oh okay that's good because then i i might actually fin like i might actually play it then if, if it's yeah, like a it's big like sliding after the souls games a bit but you like because which i have no reference for that's the thing i can't yeah I know. yeah they're like you know those are like lengthy games that are like minimum 30 hours yeah they're like full rpgs where you take a lot of you spend a lot of time with it yeah and it's like that it's based on that except it's like a short 
naughty dog. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Cause and but because yeah. like if you have any experience of the Souls games, which might be the main part of it, it's like it feels so short because of it. Like I, I mean at least partly. It also just feels like the start of a larger story and a yeah, hurt, like a way that hurts it to me. Okay, and I guess like one part of that is also like it was maybe it was an unproven it was like an unproven um concept at the time like in a respawn the the people who made you know shooter games going back to call of duty and then making titanfall like they're making a third person action game like really unproven um but i guess now hopefully this you know maybe the scale of it might be a bit bigger it'll be a grander game but i guess it sounds like it's like a soul's light it's got the parry and the like, kind of like animation heavy like kind of systems of combat mixed with kind of the you know you rest and or you meditate i guess in this case and then it kind of resets your health and everything but the enemies reappear but it doesn't have the i guess weird like you know weird references and and like kind of like deep holes of lore like like the i think dark souls games i think a lot of it ends up coming down to scale because yeah souls games and because like the other side of it is metroidvania because that's probably the thing you're kind of getting tripped on upon oh yeah yeah. each level is like you have to get a thing that unlocks aspects of it you know parts of it and then you go you know backtrack occasionally to unlock new parts and so on and so forth so it's kind of combining metroidvania and souls stuff in the way it's designed levels are designed mixed with uncharted like third person set pieces yeah exactly but like those souls and metrovania to me are like quite big things like metroidvanias aren't big they're relatively short games generally yeah. but they have a sense of scale typically yeah and this one and like souls games really do and that's kind of a big part of their impact yeah and like when you try to isolate all that into like a more core experience that's like yeah like a naughty dog thing that lasts 10 or so hours yeah you have to, so there's only like five planets i think like five levels yeah and they oh, they're not okay. like short but like you really by the time you get to the end it feels like you're only got a section of it of yeah. your overall experience at least yeah. that's my that was my takeaway okay. from that but yeah i'm not i might be more alone in that than i realize well so. i guess i'll 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 go back and play it and I'd love to like maybe compare notes. It'll be interesting um, to see like kind of how it fits it. I mean, it looks great and it sounds great. Like um, I've been, I've been playing it on my monitor, which is like kind of like, it's one of those monitors where it does, it technically supports HDR, but it doesn't have the brightness to really like kind of blow you out. But it's, it still has like a really good implementation. The sound design is really nice. Like I love the atmosphere and especially in the opening where there's like a lot of things flying around and it, it sounds like a Star Wars game, a Star Wars thing. And it looks like Star Wars. Like it, mm. you know, it's got like kind of like you've got kind of the, the gritty parts and then you've got like kind of the really super clean chip interiors and you know the sound of blasters and everything it's 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 kind of cool um but yeah it's um yeah it, it, it was cool so far but it does the thing where it's like he's like traversing and doing all this stuff but his voice doesn't really change <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> yeah it doesn't I, I, yeah <laughs> i feel like i have a couple examples that, that i can't remember yeah i, I know in the opening like now. he's like kind of hanging on the side of a, a freaking train at like 200 m- like you know 300 kilometers an hour but he's just kind of like just like yelling like as if he was just like in it 
at a bar rather than like oh, exerting pressure now. and everything you know what i mean uh, days gone has a lot of that okay <laughs> it's really like no it's, it's actually kind of a, it's probably a separate issue but it has a thing because like days gone is like that bikey game by sony yeah from sony um where you know you're on a motorcycle a lot of the time and they yeah. have those parts where what there's another person on the motorcycle yeah or, yeah either yeah. on yours or another one and you're talking to them at, for like 10 minutes or, yeah. so, or something like a gta game but like the way they directed the audio is completely different so like main character is shouting over the sound of the motorcycle but the other you person, know, person <laughs> like they're either behind you or they're like literally on another motorcycle and they're yeah. not be shouting or anything they're yeah. just talking normally <laughs> and it's like yeah, it keeps happening throughout it it's it's very bizarre that's <laughs> wow because anyway, I, I think note... apparently the spider-man games they actually recorded different lines of dialogue like the same di- line of dialogue different ways depending on you know whether you're swinging or you're fighting or if you're just standing still which is kind of cool like okay. a good way yeah. around uh, it yeah it sounds familiar actually yeah. yeah yeah it's like it's something you have to kind of i don't know i think it's the fact that that was like i wouldn't have cared like, for like the situation i don't it's just because they were like both two versions of it that were like so completely different from each other yeah it was really distracting um anyway yeah in terms of like yeah uh in bizarre words or whatever <laughs> whatever back to game things um next part is the first gameplay footage of sonic frontiers next game from sonic team and sega yeah um this will be sonic's first open world type game it's like a, i think like it's one of those things where a lot of bias like i was personally very curious to see what it looked like in game just because yeah. it seems hard to pull off seemingly especially when sonic games have such a low bar to clear seem like you know for a lot of people who aren't sonic fans they just seem like you know mediocre yeah and that's kind of a yeah anyway it's interesting have you seen it yeah I'm, uh, i saw the trailer earlier and, I'm, and i've got okay. it playing in the background here and it's yeah it's um yeah i'll just describe it quick it's interesting so <laughs> yeah it doesn't look like I, i'm kind of curious about it. it may be more curious which is something but it's like it there's a shift in art style compared to the normal game so now it's a bit more fantasy oriented more realistic natural visuals like a lot more like natural you know, um like uh like settings yeah it, like yeah um, flora and, it, it looks um, like the open like world a, section of a final fantasy game and yeah, it, but it definitely also has like a faded color palette yeah to kind of make it feel more realistic yeah in a way that's kind of odd um personally especially for sonic yeah, I kind of got Xenoblade vibes. Hundred percent like Xenoblade Chronicles. This is yeah. like, if if you took Sonic out of it and you said, "Oh, this is the new Xenoblade game," I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, it looks like it looks like what I remember of seeing the trailers yeah. for it." Yeah, it kind of reminded me. It's like we'll, we'll talk about the other week about Kingdom Hearts Four. How like had that like realistic thing. It kind of reminds you of that with Sonic. Yeah, it's just like it just looks odd and strange. Yeah, I kind of um, I, I yeah. Be... Sorry, sorry, you go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's like. All that, the only things I noticed from it was um, there seems to be its version of Ubisoft or Breath of the Wild Towers seems to be like a hamster wheel <laughs> that Sonic like runs in that. and then it seems to scan it's, like the environment. Yeah. That, that's what it looked like. I'm not actually sure if that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, and then a brief look at gameplay, which seems to be mostly just like a slightly more particles effects heavy version of Sonic gameplay. Yeah. Except for one part where the player like 
runs a circle around an enemy and it like triggers some sort of attack that kind of reminded yeah. me of like wonderful 101 oh, okay i'm not yeah. sure if that's actually what happened it looked like it it was kind of hard to get a sense of exactly what's going on in such yeah. a short teaser um, yeah but yeah it was curious I'm, mm. it, I'm kind of hoping it's not just 3d sonic in a very breath of wild inspired world because i i get the sense that'll probably be a lot of it but that's not innately bad i just hope there's some cool ideas in it yeah like it yeah like i i know what you mean about the um kind of doing the rings around people and like it's got it'll be interesting to see how it works because i feel like the problem with sonic games and this is all the way going to sonic one is that sonic is great when you're just running fast and you're just kind of speeding through but anytime you have to actually stop and have precision sonic sucks like that's it's funny it's yeah. like i remember that i was like I, I tried looking into like trying to learn because like i thought that as well and i mm. still kind of think that because i haven't like gone yeah. out play a sonic game since yeah. but like um like sonic is like its own thing like cl especially classic sonic it's oh like, yeah it's a platformer it's just got it sucks own. it, it yeah. no it's something that like it as okay. someone who's like as people who haven't really played it and engaged with it properly or engaged with it in its own terms it like, yeah marketing wise it tricks you into thinking it's something else <laughs> yes and my understanding is that as a platformer it's like not what it presents itself to be which is you're controlling a roller coaster and it's a little ha hedgehog you know yeah like you, like you, you always imagine okay i'm gonna go fast all the time <laughs> and it isn't i'm barely gonna do anything most and, like, of the time you're not <laughs> yeah but in reality it's more about learning how to create and maintain momentum as you like learn the course and mm. like sense of momentum and speed is your reward for getting better at it okay. that's my understanding of it but i never got that <laughs> like and like i was never like taught that by like uh, you know from the outside looking like looking at sonic games like oh that looks kind of fun yeah. i wouldn't have thought that you know so anyway um, fair enough oh yeah that I, it makes sense it, it i guess yeah. it may, i never thought of it that way it's like you know a reward i guess i just remember s being like i i always like the idea of sonic more than playing it but that's, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Like, I think, and I think 3D Sonic has its own issues that it's never <laughs> fully gotten past. But it has its own fan base that really, yeah, especially like Sonic it. Colors and Sonic Generations. I remember that that pair of games being really well, like, regarded back in the day, like, yeah. respectively. So yeah, hey, so it's like, we'll, uh, yeah, yeah. So like, I'll respect that. I just don't know enough about Sonic to like yeah. comprehend why like its best qualities. I'm just. Uh, I'm curious yeah. if this will change anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, we're not looking at the Switch version here, but it definitely looks better than Legend of Arceus. Whatever Pokemon Legend was it Arceus Legends or Arceus Legends, yeah, whatever Pokemon it was. Legends Arceus. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. It it, it definitely yeah, looks better than that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my god! Good job, Sonic team yeah um, <laughs> well and then we've got the the final i guess announcement teaser yeah. thing <laughs> yeah a short one um the life is strange developer don't nod um as part of the, they've kind of made a couple announcements ish hmm. as part of their 14th anniversary for the studio um first is that the studio name has changed from don't nod which is like as like a single word all caps yeah don't nod entertainment don't nod. To, yeah, yeah. Like, as in, like, the words don't and nod yeah. separately. 
which makes it a bit easier to understand i think at a glance you know like if you're like trying to talk about it i think it makes it a bit easier um even though i never really thought about it much yeah because like and then they yeah sorry you go so, uh, like they also had a teaser um that's kind of like a montage of the logo but each logo is presented in different art styles um seven different art styles which seems to suggest that don't know has seven games in development currently yeah with the last one pointing to their current their next game called Gerda, a flame in winter releasing in september yeah so don't not seem to have a lot going on it seemed to be just kind of like a celebration and kind of like a small nod towards like we're making a bunch of stuff like remember us please <laughs> and then yeah <sighs> I I still like to me it still trips me out because like I remember hearing about Don't Nod in 2012 2013 when Remember Me which was like this third person action game that oh, they yeah. made came out it was like kind of like one of those B grade kind of like forgettable ones but I remember that coming out and then like oh then the people behind Don't Nod are making this like kind of supernatural themed adventure game and they're like okay it'll, uh uh, what is it? Life is strange with a capital I for in in is like okay, that's that's gonna be cool. And then that was like, just became this huge hit. And just since then, like, don't know. It's just like, I guess cachet in the public eye has just kind of increased steadily. Like it would just just stayed high. It was yeah, like because now they're yeah. right, they've kind of like spun off into their own little like mini publisher. Yeah, from what I remember, like I actually can't remember exactly what they last announcement was but i know they've been like you know making strides to be more independent rather than publisher reliant like they were with square Enix and capcom and probably some other publisher i don't know but mm. it's um yeah so big things good on for him. a studio that's so young <laughs> as well yeah but, yeah uh, yeah kind of wraps <laughs> up most things i think yeah and uh yeah that'll that'll uh wrap up the news for this past week uh how about we move over to uh the chit chat section of the show yeah yeah so for me uh i guess like just talking about what happened over this past uh like week in terms of like pop culture i guess i had watched um uh something called uh, a movie called Candyman, which is like yeah uh have you seen it john no i i I remember it coming out and going i should watch that yeah really getting around to it so essentially um basically it's it's a spiritual successor, like a remake of a film from 1992. Of basically, the, it's it's like a. I guess the premise is that a a a struggling or like kind of like uh, it's like w- whatever the equivalent of writer's block is for artists, right? He's a painter. A uh, very talented painter has kind of reached a like kind of like a block, and then he um, hears about the story of this, I guess this uh, this spiritual like kind of like boogeyman called Candyman, who essentially was some uh, like a, an African American person who had been um, wronged, and 
kind of enacts revenge against i guess in the, in the film is portrayed as you know anyone who uh you know is racist or wrongfully um how should i say like uh treats uh like african-american people and like this person kind of like comes back it's like different people in history have come back have been the candy man and is and have hunted and and killed these people who've been really bad and it's like uh, like it's a very cool premise and it's um it's it's like it's kind of it's very creepy until you see the actual like kind of bad guy like when you see like the boogeyman like the candy man and then i feel like it does the thing where it's like it's not scary anymore when you see the monster in a way because mm. then i mean like the acting and all that stuff's really cool but i think it's just like the cg itself isn't that good <laughs> like oh, it, okay. it just looks very silly and it's like there's only so much you can do like i think i don't know if it would have benefited from showing less or i don't know it's just um yeah it was like really it was it, it's like produced by jordan peele who made get out and us so it's like it comes from that i think it was also written by him as well so it is a like there was a film in 1992 that was called Candyman, which i think this is like uh you know like a spiritual spiritual successor, successor but I'm, I'm not familiar with that one to actually tell you you know exactly like how much of a like a close follow-up it is but it's um i like i still enjoyed it i think it was like really cool and really creepy um especially the way it's kind of like shot and like it but yeah i don't know it's just one of those things where it's not scary once you see the bad guy <laughs> when you see what's meant actually, to be the villain or whatever yeah, I actually had a very similar comment to make about Stranger Things. Okay. I probably won't get yeah. too much into that. I've so. only we've only watched half of episode one. Of the new one? Or? Of the new yeah. one, of, of, of Stranger <laughs> Things four. But right. I have uh, I don't know what it was. It was like one of those like articles that pops up at the bottom of another page and it's like it was talking about how like the 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 villain or like the the demon or whatever it is in this in stranger things four and it says like oh here like this creature was made using a mix of practical effects cgi and blah 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 and then it's like but then they showed a photo of that thing and it's like why would you do that like put it in your article don't put it as the header or whatever you know what i mean yeah Ugh, i was just well, like that's annoying yeah that's yeah but it's like the this thing you apply you're saying with Candyman is like also applies to Stranger Things. I won't, gotcha. yeah, I won't say too much just because it's early days and the show is like gigantic now because it's like one and a half hours, <laughs> like one. It's like was it like seventy five minutes an episode now? Oh wow! So I get why people are gonna be moving through it slowly. Gotcha. Because um, like yeah. people were talking about um, there were less episodes in the season, like, but the seasons are two parter, like it's like two halves of the season, but they're longer episodes each. Yeah, yeah it's like every episode of this current batch. Yeah, because I I'd heard about the other like a week or two ago before, right before it came out, and I was like, really, it really stuck in my memory. So it's like, it's nine episodes total. First seven episodes are out already. Each episode of the set for these seven episodes is at least an hour and ten minutes, I think. Yeah. If not, and the episode seven is one and a half hours, and then episode eight and nine, which come out in like a week and a half or something. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I thought it was really a longer far. wait. Okay. All no, right. Gotcha. No. But like eight and nine have, uh, like one and a half hours, and then the last 
or something like that and then the last episode is two and a half hours which just feels like a bastardization of television format but um it's kind of ridiculous i have been wow. enjoying it though yeah like that's the thing like i'm it, it's i just keep forgetting like just how well the directors are like how well everything kind of just like you just kind of get sucked back into it you're just like okay i'm i'm here again yeah, it kind of like it made me think a lot about how like event series, like event television. Yeah. How after Game of Thrones that kind of went away suddenly. What, yeah, Game what, of Thrones yeah. was like pretty mediocre for like a few years too, but it still had that impact. Yeah. Where it like felt like everyone was watching it and making sure to watch it and, and, and making then, fun of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like Stranger Things is like it's like it reminded me it's like oh that's right this doesn't happen much and it's like the only thing Netflix has that's even close to that. Where it yeah. feels like, you know, it's been like two or three years now since the last season because of COVID. It took a long time, but it's you know it feels like such a major deal, and like it, I don't know, there's not there's not much like it, and I didn't. It kind of I kind of forgot that. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's yeah. I th I think um yeah I'm just excited. Like I really like the Stranger Things like kind of shows. It's it's like one of my favorite shows and honestly it's like one of the few shows on netflix that like are actually good good like actually like really good like i feel like netflix has a very spotty record when it comes to like really good tv yeah i feel like all the discussion about how they've you know they've been like scaling back all of a sudden after yeah they lost subscribers and how they haven't been they haven't really lucked onto like a really major like they keep they've had like a bunch of successes that they've tried yeah. to capitalize on but it's like they keep trying to do stranger things again or like or at least something close to it because it's like has like a real impact on their bottom line yeah but it doesn't I don't oh know, i can imagine close, yeah. yeah like i mean stranger things has launched the careers of multiple people so i want to yeah, be but it's like, yeah oh sorry but it's like they kind of like tripped onto it you know like they got these two like the duffer brothers or something yeah who seem to be very consistent in making the show they want and are given all the money they want to make it yeah because they were like the first to land at netflix and make a big splash yeah and then it's like netflix really want to trip onto another one by accident because <laughs> they didn't yeah. they didn't seem to do this one on purpose yeah well we'll uh yeah who knows maybe uh Maybe we'll get like a, a series from Jordan Peele, and it'll be like a Netflix, like, like a, a like an event thing. Who knows? We'll we'll uh, we'll yeah. find out. Um, but yeah, you had like yeah yeah you had other stuff to be watched there. Yeah, like I've I've been watching a lot of um, I've been on a kick lately about like watching documentaries on retro games and stuff. Like um, it, it all started with the I think a couple of weeks ago I watched uh, the Gaming Historian. I did like an, okay. a feature link documentary on the making of S Super Mario World, and it's like kind of like a s like he he's been doing, I guess a series of these. Like he's talked about you know Super Mario Brothers three, Super Mario Brothers two, and like the Game Boy and and stuff like that. But this was like really like really well made, and it's kind of cool. And what he does is like instead of like reading out translations and. And I guess like newspaper clippings and stuff from the time, he actually gets like other kind of like YouTubers and other people who are kind of like affiliated with the retro gaming gaming to kind of like be the voices of the of like the the 
the people involved throughout the history and it's just like really well produced and it provides a lot of context about you know what it was like you know in japan versus the u.s um when when the game came out and, and what it meant for people and what people were actually thinking about you know the the super nintendo it's it's kind of like a story of the super nintendo as well because the, the the Super Mario World was sold, was marketed as kind of the the, I guess they they used to call these things killer apps. You know, it's the thing you had to have that sells your system. Um, mm. I mean, in fact, it was packed, packed in 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 the US and I think even here in in Australia, like PAL regions. So it was cool, like really learning about that and and like, um, it's 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 fascinating. I, I would really encourage encourage you to, to watch it i'll um i'll put in the show notes i'll put it in the link up as a link below so everyone can watch it at home as well all right cool yeah and mm-hmm. I, I guess i've also been watching like kind of going back through digital foundries retro series like df retro and you know trying to oh, yeah. like you know they did some retrospectives on like gran turismo on the ps1 and versus other racing games of the time, and then Gran Turismo and the PS2 generation and other racing games of the time, and uh, and then I was like, kind of, they'd also did like a DF Retro episode on Motorstorm series, and kind of like talking about how they were and like and the the story, the history behind it, and then like I completely forgot that the people who made Motorstorm made uh, Drive Club. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, oh yeah, that that totally happened, um, mm. and yeah, and like how ahead of its time it was and some of the, the techniques it had and then it's 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 fascinating. Like I would encourage everyone to go back and, and watch uh and especially if you're interested in, in retro gaming at all. Retro gaming at all. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no that's I should I, I need to go out and like learn more about like gaming history more than I do. Uh like it's something I've like left <laughs> to, you know Hey. I just don't know. I just don't know enough about it. you know. It's like yeah, because I mentioned earlier about how like I did those like launch game articles like yeah. a while back, and that was like my first time learning a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I was like I was. It's kind of. I find it easy to underestimate just how ignorant I am <laughs> of that kind of uh, area. Yeah, but um, uh, you, last week you teased that you were playing a lot of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Yeah. Um. Have you? Do you have much experience with Dragon Ball? Oh well, I mean, grew up watching Dragon Ball Z, and then I I got I've got the Dragon Ball Kai collection, which I've like, I think I'm up to the Cell Saga on that. Like I I, okay. I I got it like years ago, and I just haven't picked it up since. But I'm definitely gonna go back and watch it. Um, okay. but yeah, like uh, essentially, this follows like kind of the first few arcs of the Dra- Dragon Ball Z show, right? Well, it technically follows all of it. Okay, it's like. Yeah, it's like it, it follows from Saiyan Saga to the Boo Saga. Manzina. Okay, right, yeah. It doesn't like, um, yeah, because like I'm a very big fan of Dragon Ball Z. It's something I always like is easily like the most formative thing for me. Like, yeah, as, I like, think we thing. exactly. Yeah, I think we're all about know, the same yeah, age. In Australia was always on in the yeah morning. in the morning. Yeah, dude, cheese TV. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's a big, it's a big deal for me personally yeah as like a series like there's almost nothing else that comes close yeah like everything else either i don't know has waned ever as i got older dragon ball Z is actually one of the things that's like yeah. rock solid <laughs> it's like that doesn't mean i'm a fan of everything in it like because the super series from a few years ago come on goku i'm, I'm very spotty on it <laughs> yeah but, uh I, I, yeah like it's it's 
yeah i think it's like for so many people and it's like dragon ball z is such a huge like cultural touchstone that um i, I just yeah it's it's so yeah so tell me like what what type of game is this because it's 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 not a fighting it's not like the the fighting games that are really well received it looks like uh, like uh, as far as i understood it was just kind of like a like a third person action game in a way yeah yeah it's not yeah it's exactly what you think it is probably okay. it's like it's the naruto the guys that made the naruto games like cyber connect 2 they um, did one of those okay. for dragon ball yeah and that's kind of most of it there isn't much to it like i knew going like because i mean meaning to play it for a while i got it i was able to get it on sale with the dlc for like 30 dollars recently okay which is like enough of a low enough bar to go okay like this game is <laughs> meant to be pretty mediocre but i want to play it just because i'm a big fan of the series i want to see how it goes anyway i was actually like i'm still even though i've invested like 60 hours or something dumb over the last few hours few weeks into it because it's a very good podcast game you can spend a lot of time just doing nothing and um in that game and just like grinding away to get a little stronger but it's um yeah like overall it's pretty disappointing as a dragon ball fan because one of the things that i really wanted it to do was try to make it well it's like the main problem is that it has like no ideas of its own it's like it's just a retelling right yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, and it's really like not anything more than that it's, okay. it's very bare bones in terms of like mechanically or just or just even trying to like tell the story in a kind of more interesting way like you know because like part of it i was thinking would be trying to integrate like filler episodes you know stuff that isn't in the manga properly but is in the anime the original anime series or or having the movies integrated in an interesting way into the this mm. big campaign and it's like because i think because i remember the old games on ps2 and stuff doing yeah. that you know like budokai tenkachi series like those games did stuff like that where you'd have side missions where you go fight broly or cooler yeah what you know kind of villains from the movies that are completely disassociated from the main yeah yeah story okay it's like it doesn't do much like that at all which is really i don't know a lot of it is like as a fan service game i didn't find it particularly good as someone who's a big fan of the series to begin with yeah i think if you're a casual fan it, you'll probably get a bit more out of it than i did yeah and it's just because like one thing because i'm on to i'm finishing it up now because okay. i'm on to the last dlc oh, which yeah. is about trunks like the you know kind of the dark timeline um, oh like the the timeline he originally comes from where like shit's fucked where goku dies yeah. of that heart disease and yeah exactly and it's like, like freezer wind or like cell winds or something right like wasn't it only the androids yeah, like take the over androids arrive yeah yeah and then yeah, they yeah, kill yeah. everyone yeah. yeah it's like um yeah, i'm playing through that now and that already has like a bunch of ideas that would have done wonders for the main game so stuff like mm. having man if you don't know dragon ball no it's gonna make sense but it's like um in the trunks expansion there's the part where like you're gohan and you can't do any like you fought against the androids and then you kind of get knocked back to like the final battle for gohan where like you're literally powerless mm. and you're just kind of waiting for them to kill you <laughs> yeah like you like for like you're completely depleted and everything yeah, and there's like a bunch of stuff in the main series that could have used something like that. 
Like, and there's a few things like that in the Trunks DLC. It's like, oh, this is where you got ideas. Because, like, the main game is, like, very one-note. And, like, even when there's a fight where, you know, um, where you're using one character to fight, like, the boss or something. Yeah. It's The objective is always, absolutely always beat them. Like, get their health to lo- zero. Yeah. And then get... And, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But it's, like, the ending is always, like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, you the next cutscene could be oh you weren't strong enough to beat him even though it's like i just got into zero health what are you talking about to be fair that's what the show was <laughs> it wasn't though it's like, like i mean you know yeah. you make, like mechanically you yeah, make yeah, a yeah. Sense of like powerlessness yeah and it's like even those times where you're meant to be really powerless i had like the easiest time yeah like you know like like the difficulty is like completely off kilter yeah because because that was always the thing where it's like it was like always dire and then somehow an extra power or go like you know something comes in some deus ex machina comes in and it's just like whether it's the tears of your friends the sacrifices they made or like another character returning or you know more than once it's goku returning from death somehow like it's yeah yeah it's like it's not I don't know. I'm a like as I've like I've engaged with this main like the full story of Dragon Ball so many times that I have like I'm like kind of defensive of aspects of Dude, it. Dude, I it's yeah, but yeah. I really I really don't think it's like as bad as te- people tend to say it is in Well, I I rewatched but, it like cuz rewatching it as Dragon Ball Kai a lot of the yeah. filler stuff's taken out. Like it's more closely uh, like it's it's closer to the anime, right? So to the manga rather than the original anime, which is like, you know, really padded out, right? Um, so for me, it was just kind of like exhaustive. It was just exhausting going from one arc to another. Like it just kind of goes straight into the next arc. Whereas with the yeah, the manga is yeah. really fast because I read it a few years ago. Yeah, I was surprised at how fast. And then is. and Dragon Ball Kai kind of does that. It's like gets it. That's I think that's why I stopped. It was just like okay, I finished this saga and bang, it's straight into the next saga. You know, it went like um, it was the Saiyan saga, and then it went to the Freezer saga with like Gohan yeah. training and everything. And, well, it was all that Gohan training, and then um, the Freezer saga, and then now I'm in the Android saga, and it was like really quick. So, but um, I am enjoying like it is still cool, and like the fights and everything still look cool, like. I think you kind of realize like how much of pop culture is influenced by it. You know, there's there's a lot in yeah. there. <laughs> That's um, what I was getting yeah. a sense of playing and, it as well. And I, and like uh, one thing I always like, like there were Dragon Ball Z games in the '90s because Dragon Ball Z has been around since, like Dragon Ball's been around since like the '70s or early '80s, and Dragon Ball Z technically is around since the late '80s. Like everything came to us really late. Wait, Dragon Ball's not that old, is it? Dude, I yes. Seventies. Oh, I don't know, man. I feel like the original Dragon Ball's like eighties like 90... onwards, I think. I feel like the Dragon Ball Z came from the eighty four. Okay. Is Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z? Dragon Ball. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z. I think is like eighty nine, maybe or something. So Dragon Dragon Ball went from eighty four to ninety five, and that includes Z as well. Okay, so it's technically a continuation. So yeah. When did Dragon Ball Z start? Oh, I'm curious. Yeah, it's around halfway, so I guess uh, early 90s. Dragon, uh, Dragon Ball Z started in 1989. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like it's Any- much older than you think. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, it's like I remember learning. It's like wait, like you know, like when I was like watching the movies as a kid mm. and like learning about them. I was like, wait, these movies are from like the early nineties. Like why am I only watching them now? Yeah, and so it's, but that's just when yeah, we got it. They only got English dubs later as well. Yeah, I think pretty sure that's right. Because like we, um, I think there was like the Funimation dubs, and then there was like the the four kids no four kids was pokemon because i remember there was like an original dub and then they became popular and then like funimation i think went back and that's probably the one that we all know because i can't watch the japanese version i just the voice actor for goku just it's like the same lady who's uh, voiced him since like the, like the original cartoons in the 80s is like she's like yeah a lady like screaming like that's it just in my head yeah, never matched watch, Goku. Yeah, because I, I remember like I watched Dragon Ball Super as it happened, and I never yeah. really got like I don't know. I have a lot of, like I have like way too much nostalgia and affection for the original English dub, like including like the original. Like I don't like the modern voices much, like the ones who had to be replaced over time. You know, because like Bulma has a new voice because. I think her voice actor passed away as well. Yeah, so mention. sad story. But it's like you know, it's like I still like can't let go. Yeah, of the old voice. It's like same with yeah. Freezer. It's like I really enjoy Freezer's original voice, and the old, <sighs> the new voice actor is great. But wait, like in in Dragon Ball Z Kai or in in Dragon Ball Super? Kai is probably has the new one. Oh, okay. Oh wow. Damn. Oh, wow. Anyway, just to kind of like wrap up. Okay, point, can I can like, I ask you? Uh, yeah, when when you wrap up, I have a question for you. Okay, I was just gonna say it's like Kakarot is like, I wanted something more like fleshed out as like a full campaign because it's already really long. So I get why they made it the way they did, and they it felt like they didn't have much time to do much more anyway. So it's like it's like forty hours baseline, I think, to get through the whole thing. So I get why they didn't add more to it. But I wanted like all the little bits, you know, because you mentioned the Freezer Saga. That's like big part of that was like Goku being on a spaceship training by himself for like a week or something in like the gravity chamber. And it's like I wanted that and you don't get it. And it's like you rarely, so rarely get those little moments. Yeah. And it really, it bums me out so much. Yeah, because like in the man- in in like the original show, there's an entire like kind of side plot of like Goku traveling al- around the galaxy, going to like this planet of like these people who teach him how to do the instant transmission and then that's why he comes I, I think and that's why and that's how he knows how to um that's why he rocks up to the freezer fight in funny clothes is that is that the one or is that, oh, that is was, that, that android is that android yeah. that was after he comes back okay because yeah. like or, or is the one oh no that's remember the quest on the dragon the snake way like he there was just yeah, episode, that that's long. the one that's um in between <laughs> that that's was the one i like actively skip that's <laughs> the one during like, the freezer saga that's like everyone's like because no, that was during saiyan <laughs> no because saiyan finished no because remember Sa- yeah, like, he died goku's at the goku end of the saiyan killed. no goku gets killed when he's god the way nerds well, yeah <laughs> wait, he got god, he got killed goku because piccolo killed. Yeah, like to kill Raditz, his brother. Yeah. Then he dies. Then he has to be on the Stank Way for six months or whatever. And then, and that's like a whole bunch of filler in the anime. Yeah, and, and he comes back yeah. To life to fight Vegeta and stuff. Okay, so he. Okay, so he does fight Vegeta. Oh yes, because like um, because because yeah, like Gohan gets like knocked out. Yeah. Oh yeah, more. Or less. Yeah, and then like um, and then. Like okay, he does come back to fight Vegeta and stuff, right? That okay, I'm just trying to think, because like, I'm I'm like trying to, like obviously I watched 
Dragon Ball Z like 20 years ago, right? When it was on TV. And then I watched Dragon Ball Z Kai like maybe f- eight years ago whenever that came out. So I'm just trying to like kind of, I'm just trying to think. Because like, yeah. remember like there was Yaji like the ninja, like the useless ninja, the useless samurai yeah. <laughs> guy in like the, the car, like the floating car. Like there's just all these really silly things, and like I forgot how horny, how pervy like it is. Like it's such a weird. Yeah, Master Roshi sucks. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's got a lot of like sexist aspects to it as well. Yeah, it's like very like, yeah. The, the older I get, the more I kind of become aware of it, and it's like I'm not. I don't feel terrible for it. Like it's just it's, it's of its time, but still. Yeah, it's like I. Yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, it's, to uh, be fair, like. When we watched it, we were probably like impressionable young ki- boys, so it was probably different for us. Like we probably didn't. Well, I don't think I liked Roshi then. I oh no no, <laughs> like, I mean like the depictions of Bulma and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because something that's like, uh, I should yeah, I should stop talking about this soon. But like one thing that like stood out to me in this case is like yeah. one, I'm still angry about what they do to Videl, like what Toriyama does to Videl, like which is Gohan's wife yeah. at the end, and it's like. They have like a cool thing where like Gohan's teaching her, yeah, her, you know, magical power, and she's yes, got like, yes. and then her personality just goes away, like she stops being like stubborn and, and then strong-willed, sh- and then she just becomes wife. Yeah, so, dude, I'm yes, yeah. So she and just like, became like Chi-Chi. No, she becomes less than Chi-Chi because at least Chi-Chi, Chi-Chi like, had attitude, kind of strong-willed, and yeah, cool. yeah. And 18's like at least neat, like because she, you, she, you know, she never really loses her personality, even though she ne- loses significance to the story. Like 18, yeah, like the android, yeah, who yeah, like Krillin. Uh, Krillin. And then remember, he yeah. gets his hair back because he's not fighting, and then, um, yeah, and then, and then, um, what is it? Uh, yeah, because like I'm trying to remember, yeah, because Videl was like, uh, like Hercule, Hercule's daughter, right? Who she was like a badass. Yeah, like the same kind of like college or whatever as Gohan, and then yeah, and then I'm trying to remember. Like I just remember the end. Then she just wearing like well, traditional like, Japanese hat, like kind of what you pictured of like a housewife clothes. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. It's like it, that. That still makes me pretty angry because <laughs> like because oh. Super the follow up from like five years ago or something. Yeah, it's like you know she's exactly that. You know, it's like but it, then her daughter is the strong one now, right? Is that like Goku's granddaughter in, in GT? That's oh, kind of okay, happens. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going on a lot. But the other point yeah. I wanted to make about that was like in Kakarot, mm. there's this thing called community groups or something. I don't know. They're kind of this weird thing where you get like badges of individual characters. Okay. And then you slot them into like different stats, basically, of like the game. So one's like Z Warrior that's related to combat. And there's one for cooking that's like because you can like make food and like meals that yeah. get you bonuses and then so on and so forth anyway almost all the women are like directly benefit the cooking one really annoys like that was shitty yeah it's like why is every like female character have to directly boost cooking because yeah, like even like I Bulma was like show, but like Bulma was meant to be like a like a genius like her dad like her dad was like a famous scientist inventor and oh, her she's m- the only one who doesn't actually okay. everyone else does though okay cause like and then her mom was like just kind of like a typical she was like airhead kind of like clueless kind of depiction of like I don't know if you remember, but, like, she was, like, the one with, like, kind of, like, the, the bangs, the blonde lady with the bangs. Yeah. And her dad was, like, kind of the scientist in the coat or who loved speakers. Um, and then Bulma was just kind of, like, she's kind of, like, um, 
I think it's like when when Dragon Ball Z starts, like it's been a few years since she saw Goku, and the last time she remembers, he was like this bratty kid, and now he's like this hot, like kind of strong guy, and then she's like, "Oh, you're married." <laughs> <laughs> and then like she like throughout the freezer saga is just kind of like just annoying like she's just picked like depicted as just being an annoying spoiled kind of like oh, bratty Bulma yeah. yeah and then like I, I, that that like was like what stood out to me with like watching back watching Dragon Ball Z Kai and you're like god you suck <laughs> like why did they yeah, make you like this yeah she's a frustrating character. yeah I, I have a question in, in that yeah. talk specifically yeah well I, well I have a question okay I was always interested. So, like, Dragon Ball GT, is it canon? No. Okay. Because it was created... It was like It was like a spin-off created by Toei, or whoever kind of... Who had the rights. Not based like, on any anime. No. Super is technically canon. Because he came back for that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I haven't All seen right. GT in, like, since I was a kid. Everyone says it's awful. I bet it's okay. I just remember that with the one where everyone had mullets and monkey tails. That's what I remember. <laughs> That's all I remember yeah, from and and okay. and like like shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I remember That's from big. that. Yeah. And, and anyway, is Gogeta from that? Is that is a Gogeta or is it Vegito? You know when they combine? Oh, Gogeta's from that, but he's also okay. from other stuff. Oh, okay, cool, he's, cool. Well, I guess I've got to dust off like, my it's copies. Funny, this conversation is kind of reminding me. I was like, man, I know the hell out of Dragon Ball. Well, I guess I've, I've got to dust off my, um, like Blu-rays of uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai and continue where I left off, because I I, yeah. I I stopped watching at the beginning of the Android Saga, like not the beginning, like you know when I think is it Android sixteen, the one with like the little tuft of hair. Like you know, the the kind of the big Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, guy. Orange. Yeah, I yeah, think he's yeah. been defeated, and I think now like seventeen and eighteen are kind of like, like they unfold their arms. Oh, you're pretty far along then. Yeah, like you know, they do the thing where they unfold their arms and crack their necks, even though they are technically androids, so they wouldn't need to. But anyway, actually, they're technically cyborgs in an annoying way. Oh I yes, because they're humanoid. They're yeah, part human, yeah, 17 right? Seventeen and eighteen are both like humans turned into androids. Whereas sixteen, 16 was an, an actual android. android. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like it never comes up in the main story very much. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, um, yeah. That's wow. That's that too much. No, no I, I mean I loved it, but yeah. Uh, I don't know about everyone at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, sweet. Well, I think uh, I think let's uh, let's get towards the uh, let's let's start wrapping up the show. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about the Bob's Burgers movie, but maybe we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> well, uh, as always, uh, Double Jump Radio is made possible thanks to the support of our wonderful members and Patreon su- uh, supporters. Uh, everyone at home, you too can support Double Jump by heading to doublejump.co slash memberships and signing up today. John, thank you so much. It's uh, it's always a, always a pleasure um and, you know doing this with you every week it's uh, i think yeah, yeah. always fun no nah, i've been saying yeah. a lot lately yeah <laughs> <laughs> always always something to yeah. look forward to there but um yeah no it's it's um it's going to be great we've got some more articles lined up this week 
Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe more more from Lucas over the coming week as well. So uh, I'm going to watch Top Gun Maverick. I'll see if I can review it. I can't can't guarantee anything, but I will try to. <laughs> I'll try to write something up for it. But yeah, thank you so much, John. Always a pleasure. And uh, (laughs) until next time, everyone, look out for one another. Peace. (laughs) Uh, Bye, everyone.